think as well the film works as a musical. Um, it has some absolute bangers as tracks, um, particularly Hot Chocolate. And I think it's one of these kind of musicals that everyone enjoys, then including people who say they don't like musicals. Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast, where each week we are discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. My name is Zach Brooks, and I'm joined here by... Av Sedemski. And Brenda Fitzpatrick. Last week, we discussed Magic Mike XXL, the second one, and a little bit of the first one. And this week, due to a uh, movie about male stripping connection, we'll be discussing the 1997 British comedy... Uh, that is the full Monty. Then at the end of the episode, we will decide on our next movie connection based on suggestions from you, the listener, and us, your loyal hosts. We will be spoiling this movie, The Full Monty. So if you have not yet watched it and you are worried about being spoiled, we will put a timestamp to where our ladder connection discussion will begin for this podcast, where we decide on the movie for the next podcast. Uh, but of course, if you want to be unspoiled, you can pause this movie or you can pause this podcast and go watch the movie. I think there are a couple places where you can watch it. Uh, you can rent it from different streaming sites. You also can get it from the library and then come back and listen to our discussion. Sorry. Is it streaming anywhere else? Was it you? Brendan, where did you watch it? Uh, I watched it on Amazon Prime for the low, low price of three ninety nine. So three ninety nine, the going rate for a streaming movie. Yeah, and if you have, it, it is the only place that I saw that it's streaming for free is if you have a Cinemax subscription, right? Which, which has we, which is appropriate. And yes, it didn't definitely. give me the option for that anymore. I think because probably I used the seven day free trial for too many times. Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't even uh, offer me that anymore this time. Maybe you just need to become in, a subscriber so. to Cinemax. Yeah. So, uh, Av, Av and Brendan, how are you guys doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? I'm doing well. I'm good. Yeah, besides calling 9 a.m. night, I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were very, you confused the crap out of me a couple of times when trying to schedule this podcast because I wasn't sure if it was 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. So, here we are, 9 a.m. on a Sunday. It, it would be fitting. It, yeah, it would be fitting if we had some time loop movie that we were discussing with all these right, weird scheduling right. inconsistencies. <laughs> Um, of course, if you do want to follow the podcast, you can follow us at Ladder Movie on Letterboxd and Twitter. You also can email us, the movie ladder at gmail.com. And that's your best way to get in your feedback, any movie connections that you have for the next week. Um, we're always looking for more feedback from our listeners and more movies that could possibly be good connections off of the movie that we've previously watched. So, uh, guys, let's, let's start how we always start. What is the best movie that you watched in the last week? Brendan. Uh, yeah, so um, I know you guys know this about me. I'm a huge fan of music documentaries and music biopics. So I caught up on a documentary that I hadn't seen um, called Searching for Sugar Man. Uh, I know you've seen this. It's a uh, yeah. 2012 documentary about a obscure musician from the 70s named Rodriguez who was a popular musician inexplicably in South Africa, but never had a hit in the U.S. And these documentary filmmakers go on a quest to try to find out whatever happened to this guy. And 
It's streaming for free on Netflix. It's about 90 minutes, and it's 90 minutes well worth your time. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's very moving. It's very heartwarming. Um, I thought they really did a good job with it, and I believe it was nominated, if not won the Oscar for Best Documentary of in 2013. Um, I mean, this is this, this sounds like your responsibility to know, since you're the one who saw it this. Yeah, time. you should be doing the research. <laughs> That's a good point. I should have done the research. I believe it was nominated, um, yes, if not won, it, it won Best Documentary. It won, it won the it won the Oscar for Best okay, Documentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was very good, very good. So well well deserved Oscar. For Searching for Sugar Man, I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. Streaming for free on... So it's not a baseball movie, right? Because I feel like I always thought that was a baseball movie. It's not a baseball It's a very good movie, but it's, it's, I, if I recall, it's also like a, a mystery, right? It is a mystery, yeah, because yeah. they're trying to find out whatever happened to this guy, and there are lots of rumors about what may or may not happen to him after his uh, career didn't amount to much in the U.S., so there are a lot of rumors about what may have happened to him in the 70s and I, I don't want to give anything away because yeah. the mystery is very very fun yeah, yeah I, 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 I don't remember the details of it that well because it's been like almost I don't know eight years at this point but yeah. I do remember liking it and I remember a lot of people really liking it I think it's definitely worth your time if you haven't seen it as Brendan said absolutely yeah, I'm like, you yeah. Um, so I don't know if this is the best movie that I saw this week. I, I actually mentioned to uh, Zach and Brendan offline. I did my, a little uh, accidental movie ladder on my own this week. Um, I saw Apocalypse Now for the first time, and that was probably the best movie I saw this week, but not what I want to talk about. I Then the next movie I saw was The Blinkering, which I only after realized was directed by Francis Ford Coppola's daughter, Sofia Coppola. Although I, I knew that, I just like, didn't connect that in my head. Um, so that's my own little uh, accidental two-prong two movie ladder there. And the bling ring was like a ton of fun. I thought it was really enjoyable. Um, the main thing that like is crazy about it is that the movie is premise is that these kids in LA start just like robbing celebrities houses for fun and like taking their stuff and like they kind of like form a friendship over that. But none of these celebrities in LA seem to have alarms in their homes or like security of any sort, which just like didn't make any sense. And like the movie doesn't work without that. But Putting that aside, like removing that little fact from your brain, and then it's a very fun, enjoyable movie. Um, it's also very short, very quick, fast-paced, and I think pretty much anyone would like it. Yeah, I remember thinking it, it kind of like had that um, like dubstep feel to it when I watched mm -hmm. that movie. It's just like, it's, I mean, it's got a lot of dubstep music in it, obviously, but it's got lots of uh, bright colors and... Yeah. Um, in shining lights and things like that. Yeah. Like you feel like you're yeah. in a club when you're watching that movie. Very, yeah, very much so. It's like, it's trying to kind of like map the like club feeling of like a celebrity life onto like their, like, you know, spending a small amount of time in their homes and kind of like as if they're living like they're the celebrities for, you know, bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, just like a lot of fun. Like you kind of like turn your brain off for an hour and a half and just enjoy yourself. Yeah, and I suggested that if you wanted to keep going with your movie ladder, you could watch Suicide Squad because the Joker mm. in that is uh, so similar to yeah, uh, so James Franco's character. I won't be doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fair enough. So I, as we started this discussion, I was like, oh, let me check and see what movies I've watched in the last week. Now, it hasn't been a full week since we recorded. I think we recorded on Monday last mm. week. Uh, but it's been nearly a week, and it's been a busy week for me. And I realized I've not watched a movie since last week. Oh, you pulled a, you pulled a Brendan. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even watch any. The, the, so I watched Magic Mike XXL, and then I watched okay. The Full Monty. 
And oh, uh, so my, my letterbox activity right now is uh, very interesting. But I will recommend something else that I've been watching because I've been watching a little bit more TV this week. And I am just about to wrap up season two of the South Korean game show called The Genius. Uh, Av, I know Brendan's heard of it. Av, have you ever heard yeah. of The Genius? No, let, tell me about it. So uh, Survivor internet fans love The Genius because it's just this like crazy game where um, they have a house with all these people who come in and they they play some sort of like really interesting puzzle challenge game each week, like each episode. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's, it's subtitled. It's super intricate. It's really like you have to really, really pay attention. You cannot do anything else or you will not be able to follow what's going on. And then they're like during the episode, you'll think you'll be watching one thing and they'll show a flashback to earlier in the episode where one of the one of the characters on the show actually like devised some plan to win this game and and something some other plan has been going on the whole time and it's just like a total it melts your brain watching it and it's it's crazy um people who are big on reality tv reddit and twitter love the genius and always talk about it so i think i might have heard i think i heard might have heard akiva mention this once on 30 for fans yeah uh yeah actually as i was watching it i wrote into robin akiva need a podcast and said that they should cover an episode of the genius on that podcast and akiva said no way so. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very complex show. Uh, all of the games are uh, intricate between both strategy and um, like their complicated social dynamic, the way that they work in uh, the, the people that are the contestants having to both work with each other and against each other at the same time, which leads to a lot of interesting um, character interactions and strategy. So it's a, yeah, and there's there's definitely a social dynamic because a lot of times like you could work with somebody else in the game to maybe like have an advantage. Um, for example, the one of the ones I watched recently, they had this game where they had a big board with a hundred squares on it. And it was kind of set up like shoots and ladders where if you landed on a, a spot, you would go, you would like jump up a row, but you could also land on a spot and jump down a row. Mm. And you were, they separated them into teams of three, but so they're playing against each other, but they're also kind of on a team. So you're trying to get to the end before the other team to win. But each of the squares you claimed as if some if somebody lands on that square, you get the points for it. So they were actually working to like they would all vote in whatever the number based on if they would all they would all vote one or zero. So based on what the total was, that's how many spaces they would move. So there would be like a whole strategy involved in like how far, how many pieces are we going to move, and am I trying to get points for myself or um, finish so my team wins? Right. So it's it's very intricate. Um, I would say if you have some time and you're able to do some sleuthing on the internet, search the genius. I think there's mm. four seasons of it, and uh, there's some there's some really great characters, but it requires paying quite a bit of attention. Yeah, I know. Um, Colin Stone, prolific uh, Survivor internet tweeter, used to have the links to I think the first two seasons pinned to his profile. So yeah, if you're you if you're if you looking to get started, I think them. yeah. But it's not, um, it's not streaming anywhere. I'm actually surprised yeah. Netflix has never bought the rights to the genius. It seems yeah, like totally. Yeah, it seems a like a very Netflix, Netflix thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, For sure. uh, not a movie, but a, a yep. season. And hopefully next week I'll have more movies. I've been, I've been stalled on my Bond watching this week because I was waiting to podcast about it with Mac. On this, well, um, I, I also saw The Deer Hunter uh, this week. And I think next week you should watch The Deer Hunter just so that all three of us come in saying we watched The Deer Hunter three weeks in a row. So. Oh, man. All right. Uh, yeah, let's see how that goes. Maybe that's uh, yeah. <laughs> a different a, a different type of movie ladder. Indeed, yeah. indeed. I really yeah, enjoyed I the Deer Hunter. The, yeah. I have a ton of movies out from the library right now, but yeah. um, unfortunately. The, the Deer Hunter was very good, but I've said enough about it last week. I'm not going to get into it, but it mm -hmm. was uh, very intense. Very good movie. Cool. So, 
All right. Well, speaking of uh, very intense movies, I don't know if this was actually that <laughs> <Not>. intense. Uh, <laughs> let it, let us talk about our movie of the week this week. That is The Full Monty. It is from 1997. It was nominated for Best Picture in 1998. Brennan, you want to give us a little bit of a rundown of this movie? Yeah. So as you said, The Full Monty was a 1997 movie. It's a British comedy directed by Peter Catano, starring Robert Carlyle, Mark Addy, William Snape, Steve Hoosen, Tom Wilkinson, Paul Barber, and Hugo Spear. Screenplay written by Simon Bufoy. Film basically is set in Sheffield, England, and centers around a group of former steel mill workers in England who are out of work and trying to figure out what to do with their lives. They're spending all their days in unemployment lines and decide that the best way for them to move forward is to try to start a male stripping club. Uh, the main character started played by Robert Carlyle. The main reason he wants to do this and make this money is so that he can afford an attorney to help fight for custody of his son. So this movie is supposed to be a comedy, but it deals with a lot of very heavy uh, social economic issues, including uh, parental rights, unemployment, and poverty to a degree. Um, and capitalism. And, and, and capitalism. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, big, so, the big factory coming into town and taking over yeah. and then putting everybody out of work when it goes under. Yeah, so the movie was a surprising hit in the U.S. and actually caused it to be nominated for an Oscar. Uh, I think all three of us are a little unsure why, um, but basically the film was budgeted for $3.5 million and made $250 million worldwide, wow. which is pretty insane. Uh, it was nominated for a BAFTA where it won Best Film and was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Original Musical or Comedy Score, Jeez. winning only Best Picture. So that's, it's, that's crazy. Um, yeah. I mean, it, I remember this came out, I was in middle school and this came out and I, I had a, an English teacher in middle school or maybe mm -hmm. I, I don't remember if she was only English teacher, but she would, she went to movies all the time. She was a big movie buff. And I remember her seeing this and I, and I looked up what the movie mm -hmm. was about and I was like, that's very strange. That my teacher yeah. Went and saw, uh, the full <laughs> yeah. I remember it being a big hit. I remember my mom going to see it with a girl group of her girlfriends in 98 yeah, she did. or 97. Yeah, she did. It was definitely a mom movie where the moms went out and saw it. And yeah, it yeah. was. Um, it, it was kind of, for me, I feel like, you know, it's, it's a movie about stripping, but it also mm. just felt, felt like um, almost like it could have been a sports movie. I mean, it's about like a dance team coming together, mm. even right. more so, I think, than what we got out of Magic Mike. What do you think about that? Ab? You've been doing a lot of podcasting about sports. Yeah, it do, I mean, it definitely has a, a little bit of that underdog element to it you know these these guys aren't the, the most typical you know they don't look like the guys from magic mike let's right. put it like that right. um and but i mean yeah and then you know they're trying to like find their spot and like bring a bring, bring a team together and see if they could pull off you know entering this world um i found it like just like a little disjointed in that you know i didn't know what the movie was about other than that it had this stripping element to it and when it started and like starts you know touching on these like heavy subjects especially these subjects like the way that globalization and capitalism have hurt the, you know these these exact types of people both mm -hmm. in our country and in england and like the huge global political consequences of that that we've all seen over the last five or ten years i was like oh yeah. wow this is going to be a really interesting movie yeah. um and then it kind of just like takes a turn and then doesn't really 
add anything to that after like the opening minutes, I thought. Um, yeah. It just kind of goes down like a bizarre, what seemed what was supposed to be comedy that didn't really make me laugh at any point. No, um, I, didn't, so I, I didn't find it very funny. I, I, the, yeah. I think the only scene that I really laughed during was, um, and I can't remember which character it was, but he's in an interview and um, everybody else has, has oh. the gnomes outside the, they're yeah. like, they're like playing with the gnomes outside the, window and he can see them and i, I don't know why but that that's just tom, like tom was, wilkinson's character yeah it was yeah, tom wilkinson's tom, yeah, character yeah, yeah. and it, it it just made me like that that was just like an endearing scene i like that yeah one. and that, that's how i felt about the audition scene too i thought the movie sort of peaked at the audition scene where they're trying to get the group together and figure out if they're even going to be able to pull this off and they bring in a bunch of people to audition as to be members of the team and um that was sort of the highlight of the film for me because I like a good um, montage. Yeah, and this yeah. was a really good sort of montage. See what we got, you know, literally throw ourselves at the wall and see what sticks scene. And I, I found that to be very, very funny and very charming. Um, but the rest of the film, you're right, does sort of um, feel a bit disjointed, especially when it comes to the relationship between uh, the father and the son. Like, I mean, I know kids are, like, wacky, but mm -hmm. this kid, this kid went from one emotion to the other in 10 seconds every scene he was in, and I could never understand whether he actually likes his dad or doesn't like his dad or wants to be doing what he's doing or wishes he was somewhere else or, like, this kid, this kid goes on a journey every single scene, and it just doesn't work for me, um... Because I could never really get a handle on, and I understand he's probably going through a lot because his parents are going through a divorce and his dad. Yeah, but nobody. It's, it's kind of like, one of those things where nobody's asking him what he wants, right? That's like also the kid, true. Yeah, yeah. Like the, yeah. the kid, like the dad is doing all this stuff for the kid, and I do think that you see some good father son stuff when the kid is like controlling the music and attending mm. the auditions, and so you see some good mm. bonding between them, which I think is the point. But um, right. yeah, I can, I can see how you would feel that it this just kind of all over the place with him. Yeah, and I, I think that's part of the problem as well is that you're, I think you're right and that hits right on it is that we never really get a good scene with the kid where he can fully express himself and it actually, somebody actually cares about the kid instead of being about how the mom and dad's lives impact him from their POV. We never yeah. really get anything from his point of view. So, um, right. Av, what were you saying? Yes, I think, I mean, part of what it, for me, the issue was, so with the caveat here is mm. that in general, British comedy is not my favorite. And I, I often <laughs> do not like British as, comedy. As we know by your Monty Python. Too. Yeah, exactly. So like, that's just a, a personal taste thing. But what, what I would say from that is that the premise of this movie is like, obviously ridiculous. Like that these like, let's say average at best looking guys would become strip professional strippers is just like a totally ridiculous premise for a movie and that's fine if like you're going for like a total like farcical movie in like a will ferrell tone style movie mm -hmm. but like the rest of this movie is like a serious movie like dealing with like serious subjects and like just like the stripping element is like kind of like siphoned off in a box from the rest of the movie it's just like this little farcical plot that doesn't make any sense but it's like in the context of an otherwise serious movie and there's like that mix of tone just like didn't work at all for me now if somebody else were to find the rest of the movie to be funny i would you know obviously that totally changes that if like mm. they view the whole thing as a comedy but i kind of just saw this as like a comedy like hidden off in a box inside a drama 
and none of it really worked to me or came together. Yeah, I feel like right. in general, and I'm trying not to just like rag on this movie, but it, I just didn't ever get a sense of like why I should really get into this. And I just like, I think it was hard for me to really get into this movie. Like as I was watching it, you know, there were parts that I liked, but I just never, it just kind of felt like it was very flat for me. If you think of it like a, like the, the image of a sound wave where, you know, a movie is gonna, gonna peak and, and climax. I just never really felt that it hit that point. It never hit that, that high and then crescendoed. I mean, yes, we get yeah. the big performance at the end of the movie. Um, mm. But even then it's like, we finally kind of hit the peak of the movie and then it just freeze frame and ends. Yeah. And so uh, honestly, I think, I think that the, thing that we could compare it to the most in terms of tone in everything we've watched so far is sliding doors. It's just in, in it's in, in its inherent Britishness. It's just sort of okay. It's not moving the needle much in one way or the other. It just sort of is there in terms mm -hmm. of tone. And so that in terms of tone, it did remind me a lot of our watch of sliding doors because there were, like like we said with that movie, there were a couple of parts that were really, really funny, but, or I knew at least that I was supposed to think they were funny, but I couldn't fully invest in the plot and the characters because they were just sort of gray and ambiguous and the plot was kind of all over the place and it didn't really feel... Yeah, another movie that I like, that this, another movie this kind of reminded me of actually mm -hmm. um, is... Uh, um, cool Runnings. Okay. And I, I don't know what exactly it was, because there's not really a John Candy character in this movie. I mean, the closest you could have is Dave, I guess. Right. Um, but it just the putting a team together to do something that like none of them are qualified to do. Yeah. And that's a, yeah. They, they, you know, they might have one person who's, you know, they have, you know, like they have, they have a good dancer and they have right. the guy who's, you know, they make lots of comments about how this guy must have a really uh, well endowed well manhood. Endowed. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but like, you know, none of them are, are qualified to be male strippers and they, they come right. together as a team and they, they have the heart and the passion to, to work at this and get something to work. And they do achieve, you know, at the end they achieve their goal and they have this huge crowd of people who are, having fun with them, even though they're not the most attractive male strippers. Yeah, what it really reminded me of is the episode of every sitcom in history where somebody needs money, and then they see a sign that says, talent show tomorrow, $10,000 <laughs> top prize, yeah. and they say, that's a great idea. Let's join, let's learn a talent for the talent show tomorrow, and we'll win the prize. You know, that's right. a great comparison. It is like a Saved by the Bell plot. Yeah. It is, it's a very special episode. And yeah. the and the just I just found like the but comedy. It always ends up being that they need to do the talent show for a very serious reason. Like oh yeah, dad lost course. his job or Correct. right. You know the dog needs a surgery or yeah. you know it's. And yeah, I just so. I just found the comedy to be just like very one note. Like every mm -hmm. joke was, hey, these guys are not qualified to be strippers, and right. yet they're strippers. Right. Uh, um, and it just you know that wasn't for me. I did, I did really, really, I did really like sorry. the, uh, especially after watching Magic Mike last week mm -hmm. and talking about how like, oh my God, all of these guys just made me feel terrible about myself. Right. The, uh, the storyline that Mark Addy's character Dave goes through, yep. um, all about his, like the body image stuff. I thought that was actually, there, there was some meat on the bones there. 
Um, and it was an interesting yeah. thing to to see Robert Baratheon go through. Yeah, that was that was the part that worked the best for me, and he's the character that worked the best for me as well. That's what I was going to say. Um, especially, I think it really pays off well in the end when he has the scene with his wife, and she like realizes what he's doing, and he's like, she thinks he's like prostituting himself, and he's like, no, I'm just stripping, and she's like, stripping. And he's like, yeah, and then he like starts to dance a little in front of her and you realize like that they like it doesn't matter what he looks like they still love each other and then at mm-hmm. the end she like she's there to support him at the strip show and he is just dancing for her the entire time during their final show he's not paying attention to anybody else and right. it's only like focused on the table she's sitting at and i i thought that worked really well their their relationship i found to be the most charming of the movie and i yeah, thought his, i like uh, i like it off the best as well yeah I, I i thought his arc was was definitely the the most well thought through yeah um, i was confused at the beginning if uh he was supposed to be gaz's brother like i thought mm. i thought he was the uncle for the kid um, okay but i think they i think they're just friends yeah i think, I think all these guys are just friends yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i think they're just best friends uh, did you have a, a, a character or a, an arc that you really liked or just kind of... Um, no, I agree with you. I, I thought the Mark Addy was, was the best part of the movie. Um, yeah, and yeah. seeing a, a not obese version of Robert Baratheon was nice to see. You got to see him in his, yeah. in his young Warhammer days. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's around the same size as well when he's uh, the squire in A Knight's Tale for oh, uh, he's Heath a... Ledger a couple years later. He's... Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, he's he's about the he's about the same size, which is why when he got cast on Game of Thrones, I didn't recognize him at all until I did a little deep dive into him, and I was like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, yeah. He sort of reminds me of like a Nick Frost um, okay. from yeah from some of the Simon Pegg movies. So, <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, Brendan, you came up with a fun game, and it is called "What Should Have Been Nominated in Be- for Best Picture?" Because this movie, of course, was nominated in 1998 for Best Picture along with uh, Titanic, Good uh, Will Hunting, L.A. Confidential, and As Good As It Gets. So, yeah. and there are I a mean, lot of uh, 1997 movies that seem to have uh, aged better in the public consciousness than this one that could have or maybe should have been nominated for an Oscar this year, or that year. So, you know, yeah, what, what do you guys think? So I think the thing to keep in mind with this is that the Oscars in the 90s were very formulaic, right? Like, yeah, uh, for sure. You know, they they had not yet expanded the number of nominees. You were not getting a superhero movie, or you were not mm-hmm. getting some big, some big blockbuster outside of Titanic um, that wasn't kind of your Oscar-y movie. So that, that does eliminate, you know, some of the movies from 1997. Just as you look through them, you know, you're not going to get, mm-hmm. you're not you're not going to get your Men in Black or your Fifth Element, um, both you're of which I we think are very good movies. So you're saying we shouldn't suggest Bean or Face Off. I mean, Bean, they might like because it's British, and they'd be like, I do think the fact that this is a British comedy also played into it getting nominated. It does, Uh, I think it made the Oscars feel like they picked, like, a very refined movie. Yeah, but it's odd, it's odd considering some of the movies that were just as good, if not better, that were prestige movies that got left out. So, Yeah. yeah. I am surprised Jackie Brown wasn't wasn't nominated. Yeah. Uh, It seems like, especially coming off of Pulp Fiction and the impact of Pulp Fiction, in the early 90s, you would think that they would want to reward Tarantino. For sure. But if you recall, or you may not recall, that Jackie Brown was not very well regarded at the time that it came out. 
mm. in comparison to Pulp Fiction. So it has, it's probably the film from 97 that has aged the best and is much better regarded now than it was in 97. But um, Robert Forrester was nominated and won for his performance at Jackie Brown. I believe Michael Keaton was also nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but uh, don't quote me on movie? that. For Jackie Brown. Michael Keaton was in Jackie Brown? Yeah. Oh, I it was Ray Nicolette, the uh, FBI agent. Oh, it's been a while since I watched yeah. Jackie Brown. But yeah, um, yeah it was, uh, I know that, um, you know, it, it's a movie that definitely is in a lot of people's top five Tarantino now. Mm-hmm. It maybe wasn't when it came out. Um, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, I'm glad uh, we're doing this have- exercise because I just, I didn't even know this. I just realized that Francis Ford Coppola wrote and directed The Rainmaker. Yep. Oh. Which, and that um, was a notorious bomb to a degree. Like that was that was John Grisham. Very, yeah, it's a yeah, it was, John Grisham book. Yeah, it was a John Grisham uh, adaptation. Yeah, that was supposed it's to be huge, uh, it and, took forty million dollar budget. It only made forty six million dollars. So that's not mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. Yeah, and especially uh, starring a hot Matt Damon at the time. I mean, well, I don't know how hot he was because Goodwill Hunting came out the same that's, year. That's so a good point. Yeah. He might not. I don't even. Yeah, it came out after Goodwill Hunting, I think, but yeah. not probably not enough that Matt Damon had you know, developed any sort of credentials yet. 1987 was a great year for movies. I'm just kind of scrolling through movies from that year. Mm-hmm. Um, one movie that I think is your kind of Oscar prestige movie that should have been nominated is Contact. Yeah. I did not realize movie. Contact was in 97. Um, yeah. yeah. That, that yeah, does but- feel like the kind of movie that they would have nominated. It's a little surprising that they didn't. Yeah. yeah, my my two favorite movies, just looking at my list that I've movies I've seen from that year. Um, number one by a lot is probably Goodwill Hunting. Actually, not by a lot, mm-hmm. but my my top two are Goodwill Hunting, which was nominated, and Boogie Nights, which is one of my favorite movies ever by one of my favorite directors ever. Um, I also really remember loving Wag the Dog, although that's probably not yeah. going to be an Oscar movie. But I remember just like thinking it was a riot. I could see that one being an Oscar. You know, that's kind of your. It's it's got you know kind of that 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 slight humor but it, it yeah, deals with a serious topic sort of like full monty right. um yeah. yeah copland another great movie that um brennan you brought up earlier another good Cop- cast yeah. I, copland is very good a very copland, un, a very against type performance from sylvester stallone in that yeah yeah if i had to name one of the list of some of these that are from 97 i think copland would be my one that i would nominate just because i feel like it's the one that has stood the test of me rewatching it a couple of times and enjoying it. Um, the cast is fantastic. The script is fantastic. The premise is um, original, but also sort of, but I can understand why maybe it wasn't because parts of it do feel a little, um, oh, didn't we do this before with Goodfellas or other uh, mob movies? Yeah, but it's just different. It's, it's, I mean, it's about dirty cops. It's, um, also 97 gave us uh, a great instance of two movies about the same topic coming out within months of each other in Dante's Peak and Volcano. (laughs) Neither of which are Oscar nominees. Man, we had, I did love love Dante's Peak. Spice World, Speed 2. Speed 2, which is, which is the the source of one of my favorite all time Simpsons jokes. It's like (laughs) Speed 2, except on a bus instead of a boat. (laughs) <laughs> uh seven years in tibet seems like a movie that could have been nominated for best picture yeah. I, I never saw it but it just seemed like I a movie that it, academy yeah. of voters would love it, seven has, years in tibet. it has an oscar title yes yeah, exactly sure. and it's got brad pitt so yeah uh, um yeah. a couple more uh the ice storm uh amistad was supposed to be one of those prestige movies that came out th- that year that 
a lot of people thought would be nominated, but I think it got kind of buried by the prestigiousness of Titanic. I've never, I've never seen Amistad, although I plan to I this year. Yeah. I'm doing a, uh, I'm doing a Spielberg project this year since he's releasing his 25th movie. So nice. oh. I'll, I'm going to go through for his entire filmography from beginning to end, other than That's a couple like that I've, project. yeah, there's a couple that I've seen that I have no interest in seeing again. So I'll skip those, like Warhorse, not sure. seeing that again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to try to see all of them. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, couple more personal favorites from that year. No, I know Zach and I are both big fans of uh, The Game. Yeah. Starring Michael game. Douglas and Sean Penn. This is, the a- bo- this is the book about how to get girls? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you got to – yes. You have to say something mean, then something nice. Then <laughs> right. Something. Just, yeah, be mean, exactly. just be really mean to them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, The Game is a f- super fun movie. I remember yeah. loving that. It's a, it's a really great mystery box if you've never seen it. Um, it's, a, it's just a really fun movie. And then uh, another one that kind of does feel like Oscar bait, but gave us some great performances was Donnie Brasco with Johnny Depp and Al Pacino. So yeah. it's it's a really fun mob movie, but maybe they felt like we've done the mob thing before. We don't want to do it again. But um, yeah, th- so those are just some of the movies that came out in '97 that maybe could have been nominated. Uh, also on my list of things I pulled was The Ice Storm which got a couple of Oscar nominations, but not Best Picture. And uh, if they wanted to nominate a fun dramedy, uh, Gross Point Blank is also a movie that I like from that year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, Gattaca was that year. I mean, a great year for space Gattaca, movies. Gattaca. We've got yeah. The Fifth Element, Gattaca, um, Starship Troopers, which I don't think it was yeah. very good, but still a big space movie, Men in Black, and also Contact. So mm-hmm. I, I just looking through 1997, I... I think I would say 1997 might be the best year for movies of the 90s. I mean, th- Austin, there, oh, this is just like a Powers very yet? deep year. Yeah, Austin Powers yeah. was that year. Yeah. Um, also, a great year for a great year for action movies. We've got Face yeah. Off and Con Air both coming off in that year. Incredible. Um, you know, yeah. also um, Event Horizon, and oh, I know what you did last summer. I mean, just. Yeah. Like great year two. For horror, great year oh, Air for Force action. One as well. Air that Force year. One. Yeah. The Devil's Advocate was really yeah. good. And uh, my best friend's wedding for for romantic comedies. For That's romantic. one of the one of the so, great yeah. '90s romantic comedies. Yeah, so. it definitely it's is a, a reminder of genres. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really a reminder of how different the movie industry used to be. You just get like all these different types of movies, and now yeah. you know, like, like I think we only mentioned like one or two or maybe three sequels on this movie on this list of like yeah. the movies that we're That's talking incredible. about as like the best movies from that year. And now like they would all be sequels for. Oh, movie. another yeah. underrated yeah. comedy, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion was that year. I think that movie's really funny. Yeah, yeah. I, do like I don't. It. I don't. I'm not sure that this this year would stand up to 1999, which is generally regarded to be the best year of like oh, that's right. the last yes. 30 but it's years. Close. Yeah, uh, but this is a very. It's a strong year. It's certainly yeah. close. It's a strong year. What about and, uh, when do you think we'll get? And I'll just weigh in and saying that like I I don't think it at all diminishes my manhood to say that I think Titanic is a great movie and well deserved. Oh, I agree. I'm sure. I think that yeah. I think people are like so ridiculous about Titanic. Where like sure maybe like the plot isn't the best thing. Uh, there are parts that are a little silly, but you know like we see so many like action and superhero movies where we're like we'll we'll be willing to say it was a great movie because of like how awesome the special effects were and all yeah. you know all these like, you know cool things that it does. And like Titanic did like incredible things that like yeah. very few movies had done until that time and it deserves so much credit for that that it's all yeah like just like disregarding i feel like with titanic it was kind of like the irishman problem at the time when it came out because everybody's talking about how long it was yeah well one of the best reasons that i think it holds up is i mean all you have to do is watch the bonus feature of how they made the boat sink and how they filmed it 
and it's one of the most incredible things you'll ever see. It, they, they did it as if the boat was actually sinking, and the way they shot it is just incredible. You can't believe how they were get, able to get the camera to do the thing it did, the set to do the thing it did. It's just, it was, in, it was a masterwork in how to shoot an epic movie like this and pull it off and it's it's really incredible so yeah it's very memorable for sure for that for that alone it, it deserves the nomination yeah. i think my favorite factoid about the titanic and maybe this is apocryphal but someone could look it up is that the, making the titanic making titanic cost more than making the titanic the show <laughs> That sounds about right. Is that actually. adjusted for inflation? I, th- I think adjusted for inflation. Yes, that sounds, I, mean, I think the movie right. was more expensive to make than the than the cruise ship. Um, someone yeah, so look I th- that up. I think what we've really learned from doing this podcast today is that instead of doing the movie ladder podcast, we should have done the 1997 movie podcast and just gone through every movie from 1997. Absolutely, and, and talked is... about each one because there there are. It's also list life is beautiful as a 97 movie, but I don't think I think that I thought that was nominated the year before. The year after, yeah, it might it be one of those. Because it well, with, with foreign movies, and sometimes the release dates are yeah, wacky. Yeah, this as, I, I, as I see that is yeah. I think it was released in America the next year. So yeah, yeah, because it won a bunch of awards. Yeah, for, it won, it won yeah. best best foreign film, and then yeah. Roberto Benigni won Benini. best actor. Yeah, so. yeah, and he jumped on the chairs. Yeah, and, it's it's like yeah, an yeah. all time great Oscar moment. Yeah. Um, all right, so you know we've we played at the beginning of this. We should have played one clip from one of the listeners who suggested it. It was suggested by actually by two listeners. We only mentioned Jim Crumley last week, but uh, Olin Allen yeah, also suggested it. it. Yeah, yeah. We, we missed that he suggested My it. My bad, well. Olin. I'm so sorry. About um, that, so we have audio clips from both of them, which are going to be edited into this. Yep. And uh, do we have any other listener feedback, Brendan? Uh, we do. Just on uh, Full Monty itself. Um, yes. Olin said, given that Full Monty is a film based in Sheffield, Yorkshire, uh, main connection this week are other films set in Yorkshire. He's going to get into that on his call, I believe. Okay. But, um, yeah, just uh, do, 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 do. So I, gives- I, I, I do think that, you know, Olin, Olin's feedback will be in that audio clip. Um, right. But I think Jeff had feedback as well. Okay, sorry. I have to scroll down on my list here. Uh so just says, okay, I see why this movie, he actually does see why this movie got nominated for Best Picture. He disagrees with us. Uh, it shouldn't have won, but it is a good movie. Uh, he says, the depth of the characters is really good and the circumstances of their life is very relatable. It's funny and you care about all the characters for one reason or another. He gives it a 4.5 out of 5. Wow. That is a strong review from our guy, yeah. Jeff. Yeah. Jeff, like, Jeff is like much more team, team Full Monty over Team Magic Mike XXL. Yeah. And you know what? What maybe we should have Jeff call in next week and defend a little more of his uh, rating here. I think that could be fun for the listeners. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's to, nice to have somebody. Uh, yeah, it's nice to have somebody who disagrees with our take so strongly. Yeah. I'm um, glad some. I'm glad somebody liked it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because as I was watching it, because you know I watched it after Av had watched it, and I knew Av was not right. the biggest fan. Um, so I was. I, you know, I was surprised by that, but I was like, all right, you know, it, maybe, maybe I'll just couldn't get into it. But I also just, as I was watching it, I yeah. just really like, I was like, yeah, this is fine. But it, like, it just, nothing about it, like really sucked me in it and just got me like really interested. I yeah, do think part of it, honestly, for me too, was all of them have such thick accents that um, yeah, I feel like some of the, some of the jokes, yeah, yeah, some of the jokes and some of the, some of the plot details, just like, I feel like it took me a second. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I just That's had fair. trouble kind of following some of the stuff they were saying. So I do think that that 
that didn't help me in terms of um, getting into this movie. And right. maybe a second time through, I would like a little bit better. But um, that's fair. Sort of like Snatch. I thought I thought about Snatch as, as a connection because of the thick plots or the thick, uh, the the thick, thick accents. accents. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I think I liked this movie the most out of all of us. So um, I'll go ahead and start with my overall rating. I I gave it a three point five out of five. It wasn't like a terrible movie. It held my attention. It was at least it was a, a brisk ninety minutes, so it was pretty easy to get through. Yeah, the length was some, nice. It was quick. Yeah, it had some really solid moments, especially with Mark Addy's character. Um, and yeah, it, it's a solid movie. Three point five out of five feels right for me. Yeah. Uh, Av, how about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, as I've said several times, I really did not like it at all. Um, it's not a movie that I would vouch for to anybody else to see, <laughs> right. but obviously there are a lot of people out there that liked it. So including Jeff, so, you know, maybe if it, it sounds like something you might like, give it a shot, but don't do it on my account. Um, I will give it, I'll try not to be too harsh. I'll give it a 1.5. That's what I thought you were going to give it. <laughs> that was what I had you pegged. Um, yeah, I um, I liked it more than Av. I didn't like it as much as Brendan. And I thought maybe for the time, you know, when this came out, it might have seemed a little bit more interesting and revolutionary. Mm-hmm. But like it, for me, I just feel like it's it didn't do anything I, I hadn't seen before. Right. Um, I would recommend to somebody see Cool Runnings over this if you want a similar type of like people coming together <laughs> for a greater cause to do something they're not qualified to do. Um, so yeah. I will give it a 2.5. So we have. Right. So that's going to average us out to a solid three. Yeah, because we have Av with one point five, yep. me with two point five, Brennan with three point five, and the listeners with four. Yeah, I finally figured out how to do the average on the spreadsheet where I oh, nice. this information. So yes, we averaged out to a three. Yes. So not too bad. Not yeah, too bad. We it's above a, average, it's middle of the road. We're good. Yeah. I, I think if this this is a movie that if it was on you know HBO. I, I might just like let it go and see if I catch a little bit more the second time that I, that I like, but it just was, I don't know. It, it wasn't, it wasn't. Oh, one thing that we did not talk about is the music in this movie is really, really good. I thought the soundtrack yeah. had great songs throughout. Yeah, um, that's true. That's true. And, that's and that was true. one thing it did very well. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our discussion of the full Monty. And I believe uh, we should be editing in a clip. Guys, thanks for choosing my idea of the full Monty for your movie ladder. I hope that you liked it. I thought it held up a little better than I expected. Some of those themes are pretty timeless. Anyway, can't wait to hear where you guys are taking the ladder next. Thanks again. And thanks for recommending it, Jim Crumley. Hey guys, this is Olin from Ireland, and I'm delighted to be on the podcast to talk about the British hit movie from the 90s, The Full Monty. So up front, I will admit that I haven't rewatched the film recently and I probably haven't seen it since my late teens on me brother's VHS. Uh, me mentioning that was watched on VHS probably indicates how long ago that actually was. When I did think of uh, recommending this film along with Jim Crumley, um, it's Initially felt that was almost too obvious a pick with Magic Mike, but I'm glad you've chosen it. But The Full Monty itself is a film that, um, when 
having to think about it again has uh, left a very deep impression on my memory that there's quite a lot of story in it that there are plenty of characters that have to be introduced their own stories their own motivations and talents as well as driving the main story of the group along i feel the script and the filming was very tight there's no real flab there i think it is could actually be quite a successful film that could be converted into a miniseries in the right hands there was a strong mix of drama and comedy as well as well as some uh, musical numbers that also enhanced the enjoyment of it probably doing some compare and contrast with magic mike xxl um so i think the full Monty as well. There's a lot of vulnerability in it, but I think it would be fair to say that the Magic Mike is professional stripper, so they're all in great body shape, well-oiled, whereas full Monty, it's these amateurs effectively needing to make money, and I think an important theme of the film is how there is that fear initially, but they overcome that fear, and it celebrates everybody's body type or shape or every man i suppose calendar girls would be a british film that um does a similar theme from the female perspective as well i suppose the confidence that these people exude at the end also gives it that entertainment factor you aren't seeing these people being embarrassed magic mike obviously is a hollywood film and and it's dealing with professional strippers i believe so it doesn't quite have that theme in it but I'd struggle to see a Hollywood film doing successfully what the full Monty does. And even if it did, I nearly imagine it would be Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey looking for Oscars by losing and gaining weight, not being their true selves, whereas the the actors in the full Monty were pretty much their true selves and were probably told to not to work out too much to to feel better about themselves so thanks for having me on and keep up the good work guys all right and we are back and it is time to do our movie ladder connection for next week so of course if you're just now joining us we just finished discussing the full monty from 1997 it is a british comedy about a group of guys who become male strippers mm. to help with some of their life problems and now we're going to connect that to a movie for next week that somehow has some sort of connection to the full Monty. So we'll start with, with our listener suggestions and we'll go through each of the suggestions. We'll go through the connections. Um, then we'll give our own suggestions that each of us brought a few movies that we want to suggest for next week. And from there, we will narrow down to a final three. And from our final three, we will pick the movie that we will be discussing next week on the movie ladder podcast. So let's start with uh, Jeff had a couple suggestions. I think his first might have been a joke, though, um, because he at first couldn't believe we were watching another movie about male strippers. Right. His first connection was a movie called Chocolate City. So have you guys ever uh, heard of Chocolate I've City? I've never heard of Chocolate Not City. Not even close. I don't know what no. this is. I only know Chocolate right. City because there was a brewery in D.C. called Chocolate City. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, so I, I think he said it's a sequel about male strippers. That's all I really know about it. And um, I don't think he actually wants us to watch this movie. <laughs> I think he just was, was giving us a hard time because we were watching a second movie in a row about male strippers. Yeah. It has, this uh, it has Vivica Fox in it. Oh, really? Yeah. This appears to be a uh, foreign film, maybe? 
from okay. Jean-Claude Lamar. Are you sure you're not looking I'm up looking Chocolat? Definitely not looking up Chocolat. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming Chocolate City must take place in D.C. Oh, it's from 2015? Uh, 2015, yeah. Yeah. So he said it's a sequel about male strippers, so maybe he meant Chocolate City Vegas Strip from 2016. <laughs> could be, could Oh, be. That's, that's on Netflix, so oh. Know, oh, man. easy enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Genuine is in it as well. And Mackay Pfeiffer. Wow. It's actually got a, like, not bad cast. Uh, Michael Chocolate- Jai White? Yeah. yeah. The Chocolate City dancers come together to save their club from foreclosure. Oh, man. Uh, they decide to enter a national stripper comp- competition, traveling all the way to Las Vegas to try their luck. Jeff, good job this finding sounds, a very obscure movie. Yeah, because this sounds exactly like Magic Mike XXL. Yeah, <laughs> and about the Full Monty. Uh, yeah. He said uh, he, uh, he has some other recommendations, but uh, the one that we will select for this is Waking Ned, Devi- Waking Ned Divine. Yeah, it is. He said it's a loose connection, so he's subtweeting off there. Uh, but <laughs> it is about two best friends who are doing crazy stuff to get money. There is one young boy who is a central and important character amongst the adults. So there are a couple of loose connections. Yeah, uh, have you guys ever seen Waking Ned Divide? I have not. I have. It's a it's an Irish film uh, set in Ireland. Um, the main characters are a couple of older gentlemen who uh, I believe one of them. Uh, wins the lottery or finds a winning lottery ticket and is going around trying to find the owner of the lottery ticket. And if he doesn't find them, he could claim the winnings. If I recall the plot correctly, but it's um, it's a really fun movie. It's a really fun sort of old-fashioned buddy movie. And it's, it's from around the same time, right? It's from like the late yeah. 90s, I think. Yeah, and I, the reason I... This movie actually has a very special place in my heart because it's one of the last things that I ever did with my grandfather was... Uh, renting this movie for him and I to watch when I was visiting him in 1999, uh, a couple of years before he passed away, and mm. he loved it, and so did I. And it's just it's a very heartwarming movie. It's not laugh out loud funny, kind of kind of in the same vein this one isn't, but it's um, it's got a great message, it's got a great cast, and it's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. But it's very obscure because you know not a lot of people have seen it. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, um, all right, uh, so I'm looking to get back into Jeff's good graces, so I vote to preempt the rest of this discussion. And just <laughs> just Jeff's take movies. this, yeah. <laughs> um, and so Olin had three movies that he suggested. Three, uh, I don't think I've heard of any of them. Yeah, One is called neither. KES from 1968, and it's about a 15-year-old child struggling to live in Yorkshire mm-hmm. mining community uh, until he finds comfort and compassion, companionship in... Uh, in something, the F Kestrel. I'm not sure what F Kestrel is. I think that might be an autocorrect maybe. Uh, yeah. Not the most cheerful film, but an emotional drama. And it's very working class. It's also black and white. So, uh, you know, I would say uh, a story about working class in Britain definitely okay. is a connection there. Uh, he also suggested The Sporting Life. Uh, it is about a miner who finds an alternative way of earning money as nice. a rugby league player. Uh, it's kind of like the steel workers looking to strip in the full Monty. Yeah, we didn't really talk about how uh, yeah. in that movie they were originally steel workers too. Like we talked about how the factory came in, but the whole point is that these guys all worked in this factory that shut down. Yeah, they even talk about welding. And yeah. uh, they're, oh, that's, the, yeah, the, way, another connection. The, way to, the way to properly and unproperly uh, form a weld. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very good, very good connection. Um, they do know how to practice good shop safety, apparently, unlike, unlike our characters. Yeah, yeah, unlike Magic Mike. So. Um, yeah, well, that's because these guys are really steel workers, and those guys are really strippers. So. Yes. That's a good so point. That's maybe good Magic point. Mike 3 <laughs> should be about uh, all of the strippers having to work in a steel, uh, steel factory. <laughs> 
flip the script. Uh, and then the last one also touches on another element of the Full Monty that uh, I meant to bring up and I didn't. So his last yeah. one is Damned United. Uh, and I've actually talked about this on the There Will Be Pod soccer podcast. Uh, Michael Sheen plays legendary football soccer manager Brian Claw during his brief and tumultuous spell at Leeds United in North Yorkshire. Yorkshire. And, uh, you know, one thing I also that I really liked about uh, the full Monty is when it does kind of become a sports movie, like it's the hard part for them is getting all their timing down until they put it in terms of being onside and offside in a soccer match. match. Um, And there is a lot of reference to like Manchester United or I'm assuming. Yeah. One of the, one of the, one of the ways that Robert Carlisle's character is trying to bond with his son is trying to, or get back on his good side is promising to take him to a uh, football match. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, there is there is a lot of soccer connections. So just so just to correct you, um, the podcast did cover the damn United. I was not part of that discussion. I didn't see ah. any of the soccer movies. Um, it oh, did good. make it into our main bracket, so it is a movie that I plan to watch at some point. Nice. So, oh well, maybe like, maybe uh, you can do double duty. Yeah, I wouldn't mind the double dip. So yeah. Uh, and then so Olin, he gets lots of connections this week because last week we snubbed him on giving him yeah, a for connection sure. for this movie. Uh, he said because of the word Monty in the title of this, he's going to suggest a Monty Python movie and so he's going to suggest the life of brian uh there is also some male full frontal nudity in it as well which yep. there was not actually full there was not in this either. yeah they, they, they don't even deliver on the title oh, right no. exactly there's rear rear nudity. there is there is rear. Yeah. Rear. Rear, rear nudity i could see any time yeah. i was promised yeah. the full monty here that's oh, that is very true uh, also, just I guess we should mention is that like a term that any of you were familiar with outside the context of this movie? No, not at the con- not, not outside the context of this movie. movie no. is, I wonder if that's just like a British phrase. I think that it's a British some, thing. Someone in, in England would would recognize. But I feel yeah. like like sliding doors. I hear the term full Monty a yes. lot more. Now. Yes. not as yeah. much as sliding doors, but I I will hear people be like, oh, you, you know, that's really the full Monty there. I, yeah. I do think people use this term now, whereas before 1997, I don't think they. Yeah, were. my life sure. is such that sliding doors comes up more than the full Monty. I just yeah. was listening to a bill. Simmons podcast today and he brought up sliding doors again yeah it's he i mean he i mean that's just like a classic bill simmons idea like right. to just like right. always like speculate about oh if this like little thing had been different then you know this team would have won eight championships instead because you know yeah. bill simmons is that type of thinker right yeah speaking of which i had a weird dream last night where i was at a family barbecue and bill simmons showed up but anyway oh. that was fun if only you were in Bill Simmons' family, you might have gotten a lot yeah, of Spotify right? money this week. Was, did Bill Simmons go full Monty in your dream? He did not go full Monty in my dream. That's uh, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to our connections now. We didn't have a ton of listener connections this week, um, but Av, what are your connections for this week? All right, so I have three movies and then a bonus fourth. Um, oh, the, the, the three movies are all movies that were on. I have a spreadsheet of movies to rewatch, and okay. all of these are movies that I liked but did not like as much as other se- people seem to, and like therefore they were movies that I've always wanted to revisit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all connected to this week in some way. So the first one is a movie that was also directed by a British director, in which Tom Wilkinson plays a feature role, and that is Batman Begins, directed by Christopher mm. Nolan. That would be a fun one to talk, to talk um, about. Very yeah. different than what we've done so far. The second one is another one where Tom Wilkinson appears, and he, like in this movie, is like kind of like the boss. Like here, he was like the form, mm. the foreman of the crew, and here he's like the head prosecutor of a team. Um, this movie was also nominated for Best Picture and did not win. Um, it's from 2007, yes. ten years later. Michael Clayton. 
loved Michael Clayton when I saw it. Yeah, I, a lot recently, of, oh, I recently rewatched that, and it, it's 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 good. I still don't think it's as good as uh, yeah, everybody. So, so I saw I saw it once, and I like thought it was fine, and then like everyone was like saying it was amazing, and I've since then I've always wanted to give it a second shot and mm. see what I missed. Um, and then the third is a Best Picture nominee, which was also a Best Picture winner. It was also a BAFTA winner. And okay. was written, the screenplay was written by the same person who wrote The Full Monty, Simon Bufoy, and that is Danny Boyle, Slumdog Millionaire. Ooh. So you didn't like Slumdog Millionaire when you saw it? I liked it. I thought it was good. And then like, I walked out with like four people. We all saw it. And they're like, oh my God, that was the best movie I've ever seen. I was like, really? Um, but, you know, I thought it was good. But a lot of, obviously, a lot. A lot of people think it was like a masterpiece and mm-hmm. I've always wanted to see it again and see if I you know, appreciated it more. Um, yeah. And then my, yeah. my, my, bonus, uh, my bonus connection is either to Zach's benefit or detriment um, <laughs> is The World Is Not Enough, the James Bond movie in which Robert Carlyle appears. And I, again, I don't know if this is helpful to Zach or this screws up his order, but we'll just put it on the table. And if, uh, if others want to watch it, we can give it a shot. Um, so my rule on Bond stuff is... Uh, it's an automatic veto because I got to watch yeah. those Bond movies in order. Fair enough. So, fair yeah. enough. Fair yeah. enough. I didn't know protocol here. So yes. Now I, know. Uh, yeah. I, am, I am not quite that far along in the Bond movies, unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, and it's, it's one of the, it's, uh, you know, one of the less regarded ones, but it's, you know, obviously one of the um, more actiony ones because it's more recent. So that's sort of what they're all about is the blowing up and such. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, uh, so I have three that I'm bringing this week. Um, as I said, my favorite scene in the movie surrounded the audition scene when they're auditioning the dancers. So I went with three movies that all have prominent audition scenes where they're trying to put a team together or um, auditioning for a specific part in something. The most obvious connection, because they actually watch it in the movie itself, is Flashdance. They actually reference and watch Flashdance to uh, prepare for how to be a dancer or notes. And uh, the main character in Flashdance, they talk about this in the movie, is actually also a welder slash steel worker. Uh, And actually, I believe it's in Pittsburgh. So that connects to uh, a couple of movies ago as well with Groundhog Day. Yeah, I mean, Flashdance is obviously the very obvious one. That I went ahead and went with it because it was the super obvious and I wanted somebody to. Yeah, that's good. Um, two other movies that have strong audition scenes. Um, this is a comedy from 1999 that's a favorite cult movie of mine. Uh, has a really strong cast, is a really funny premise. I know a lot of people don't like it, but I really enjoy it. Uh, and that's 1999 comedy starring Ben Stiller and William H. Macy, Mystery Men. It has a really strong audition scene where they're trying out different uh, knockoff superheroes that can join their team. Um, third it's a good movie, team up one. Yeah, it's a good team up movie. It's a good team building movie, and it's got a really strong audition scene. Um, the next movie has what would probably be called the longest audition scene because the whole movie is a series of auditions, and that's the musical from 1985 based on the hit Broadway show, A Chorus Line. And God. because I'm a music theater nerd, I felt like I had to have one musical in there, especially if it had an audition. So I went ahead and went with a chorus line. So those are my I've never heard of a chorus line suggestions before. This week. And I've never seen Flashdance. You've so. probably heard the song One Singular Sensation, though. 
Mm, and that comes from the chorus line. You'd have to yeah. look it up, but you'll, you'd recognize it if you, if you heard yeah. it, I think. Interesting. All right. So my three, I don't actually know if I have three. I know I have two. <laughs> and before we started this podcast, I only had one. Uh, so my first was one that came to me when I was watching this. It's a movie people really like. And I got a lot of vibes from the Cornetto trilogy watching this. So that is the Simon Pegg, okay. uh, Nick Frost movies. And I've seen uh, two out of the three, but the one I have not seen is Hot Fuzz. Nice. And Hot Fuzz is supposed to be really funny. It's got kind of that same companionship that we get from this movie, uh, mm-hmm. especially between the two leads, like what we get from Gaz and Dave in the Full Monty. Um, again, it's a British movie. Um, or at least has British characters. And, the, you know, the name Hot Fuzz is similar to Hot Stuff. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I thought, I thought there were lots of connections there. My second suggestion is another movie that stars Robert Car- Carlyle. It is from around the same time. It's from the 90s. And uh, I don't know if it takes place in Britain. I don't know if it was created in Britain. Uh, and that is Train Spotting, which is directed by Danny Boyle, who also did Slumdog Millionaire. That, um, That's a great Great yeah. one. I, I thought about suggesting train spotting and I went I decided to go in a different direction when I wanted to make a single connection between all three of my picks. Um I took train spotting and another Robert Carlyle movie off my list. Yeah. And then my third is another movie that was nominated for Best Picture that same year. Uh I had I've seen all the other nominees, but I wanted to watch it again. And uh it's another one that's kind of a, a dramedy, deals mm. with some some headier issues, and that is as good as it gets. Okay. So those are my three. That's for Jack. Yeah, I remember really... on the cracks of the sidewalks, right? Right, yes. Yeah, I remember really liking As Good As It Gets when it came out, but I'll be cu- I'd be curious to see if it holds up for sure. And, and I, I haven't seen it in a long time. And I think yeah. they both won the acting awards, the two of them, Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, um, I believe they did. Yeah, yeah they did. Um, so yeah, well represented at the Oscars. Uh, all right, so now we are going to take all these connections, which I'll go through real quick again, and then we'll each pick one, which will advance to our final three. So our connections were Chocolate City, colon, uh, Vegas something, Vegas Adventure, uh, <laughs> Waking Ned Divide, Waking Ned Divine, KES, This Sporting Life, The Damned United, Monty Python and the Life of Brian, and then our connections, Batman Begins, Michael Clayton, Slumdog Millionaire from Av, Flashdance, Mystery Men, A Chorus Line from Brendan, and Hot Fuzz, Train Spotting, and As Good As It Gets from me. Mm-hmm. So, Av, go ahead and why don't you pick our question first, so. about Hot Fuzz? I know it's like part of this like trilogy, but my understanding is it's not important to have seen the other ones. No, right? they're no, they're just because... like spiritual. Successes. Right, they're not. They're, yeah, that's what that's what I thought. Um, yeah, they yeah, call it the Carnetto other... trilogy, but I don't yeah. think there's there's not any connective. Yeah, it's not them. a true trilogy because there's no actual plot connectiveness between them. They're just starring the same actor. It's kind of like how Monty Python is a um, the Monty Python movies are all connected because they're all from the same group of people but there's no plot connection between the Monty Python movies. Got it's the it. same thing. Okay, so I'm going to go with Hot Fuzz because I've always That's wanted great. to see that and I've never have. Um, and it's, it's, been, it's actually on my list of movies to watch this year. Yeah, it's, it's um, been I've, on my list as well. I've heard really good things. It's on a lot of the best of the decade lists as yeah. well. Um, all right, nice. so that's going to that's yeah. be my, my, uh, my nominee. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Nice. Uh, Brendan. Well, to, uh, to keep going on the Britishness of this, I actually want to go with one of uh one of Owen's choices and I'm going I'm looking between 
The Sporting Life and Damned United. And I, you know what? I think I'm just going to throw it out there that um, also for the sake of Av and his uh, sports list, let's go with Damned United and see where it, see if it gets picked, but it may not. But um, I'd like to see it. I don't know what it is or what it's really about. And I know it's about soccer. Yeah. And let's, let's, let's see. It might be fun because I don't think any of us have seen it and it could just be a good time. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I am actually fine with either of those movies being our choice, but I'll pick mm-hmm. a third just to give us another option. Uh, and that's Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. I haven't seen it since it came out. I remember liking it. I'd be curious how it holds up 10 years later, 12 years later. So, um, and right, Danny Boyle is, has some has some good movies we can go to after that as well. Yeah, so. this is true. This is tough. This is a good one. And I, I really, I haven't revisited Slumdog Millionaire since I saw it either. But I, I remember really loving it at the time. Uh, Hot Fuzz is a movie I've only seen once and I was probably inebriated when I did. So I don't really remember it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I would actually be okay with rewatching Hot Fuzz um, because I have no memory of it. And I think it could be really fun. Um, and it, I feel like it's our most connected to this in terms of um, its Britishness. So yeah, I, I, and I do feel like the Dave and um, the Dave character reminded me a lot of Nick Frost. That's what made me think of Hot yeah. Fuzz to, to begin with. So um, well, I think all three of us are feeling the Hot Fuzz. So why yeah. don't? What do you think? Do you think we just go, let's let's bite the uh, proverbial bullet and go with Hot Fuzz? I mean, it's on my watch list as well, um, and it's you know it's kind of about some working class uh, yeah. British folks. Because they're, well, they're cops, cops and it's right? yeah, yeah, it's working class. Uh, yeah, and uh, and well, Edgar Wright has, as... has a new movie coming out this year. Well, oh, and yes. aren't they dressed as cops and they're stripping? Uh, oh yeah, they did dress as cops and they're stripping. So there's lots of so there uh, lots of connections. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some ca- some random cast connections as well. Yeah, there probably will be. Um, no. So yeah, but I, I think that's I think that's the choice. I think we go for it and um, yeah, let's so... let's jump into the Simon Pegaverse and go yeah. with some hot fuzz. Yeah. So this is directed by Edgar Wright. It's from 2007, so 10 years after uh, okay. the Full Monty. And it, the, I guess, you know, what we will call the connection is kind of British sensibility slash buddy movie um, for Hot mm-hmm. Fuzz. It, Hot Fuzz used to be on Netflix. Uh, it does not look like it's on Netflix anymore. It looks like, yeah. you can, again, it's another one that you got to pay to rent or you can get it from your library. Um, yeah, unfortunately. So, but yeah. Um, there, there may be a random app that has it oh, with commercials. Yeah, it's on, uh, it's on Stars. So if you have oh, a Stars. If you, if, you, if, if you haven't let your, your Stars subscription lapse from like the three other times <laughs> we told you to sign up for Stars, then you can still watch it. Um, yeah. I fall into that category. Stars, is, in addition yeah. to HBO, is the only other premium service that I subscribe for because it has the, like, a really good movie library. Yeah. It's interesting just looking at people's reviews on Letterboxd there. I have a lot of friends that have given it four, four and a half, five stars, and then a couple right. that have given two, two and a half, and three. So it looks well, like pretty mixed uh, reviews. It also says it's on Hulu, but that... Google does this new annoying thing now yeah. where if it's on, it'll show that it's on Hulu, but then you need to subscribe for an add-on service right, to right. get it sometimes, right. which is very annoying. Yes. Um, I'm checking well, it out to see if it actually is on Well, Hulu, to yeah. connect this to our very first movie we covered in Fargo, um, Martin Freeman is in this movie, and he played uh, the main character in the TV spinoff version of Fargo. So we have a, we have a through-line connection now. Oh, right. look at that. Yeah, lots, lots of connections as we were finding on our ladder. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so next week we will be watching Hot Fuzz, the Edgar Wright movie from 2007. Fortunately, it's not streaming for free anywhere, but you may be able to find it on your library, stars, or paying to rent it. Uh, let's go ahead and replug our social media and things that we're talking about. 
Um, Brendan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Fidzy Brendan or on Letterboxd at BrenFids11. Yeah. And uh, Av, how about you? You can find me on both Twitter and on Letterboxd at A. Sedensky. And you can also find Av doing lots of podcasts. I know. I just listened to one yeah. of your Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> podcasts. What is your Curb podcast called? It is called Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> podcast. And this week we will be talking about episode three of season one, Porno Gill, in which Bob Odenkirk makes a very memorable performance and nice shows yeah, up. It's, it's a fun podcast once a week they're rewatching they, uh, different uh different, each episode of curb enthusiasm all the way through and then talking about it i actually watched the comedy special that precluded uh or pre predated preluded preluded yeah, yeah. uh curb enthusiasm which i didn't even know existed until i saw your podcast yeah so i I'm, st- I'm like going back and forth on this i i'm not sure if i ever saw it before this because like i have very i have no memory of seeing it but it's like very weird that i would never have seen it given hmm. like i've seen all of curb at least two times and that i would never have watched yeah. that, that. Mm. but I, I yeah i'm very confused whether or not i saw it or not but it's uh, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting documentary type thing or documentary. Even if it's, I don't think it's like an amazing episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, but I would definitely watch it if you're if you're a Curb fan. Yeah, it's it's sort of like the Doctor No of Curb Your Enthusiasm, where you can see what will become Curb Your Enthusiasm, yes. but it's not quite there yet. Yeah, there's a lot of the rough outlines are there. Yeah, uh, and of course you can follow me at BrooksZA on Twitter and Letterboxd and all of your favorite social media platforms. Uh, I also last night recorded a podcast on my own feed, Dial P for Podcast, where Mac Johnson and I talked all things the first five James Bond movies, which is the uh, initial Sean Connery era. I just finished watching those and him and I are going to check in as I'm watching all these James Bond movies because he's a a true James Bond expert. The amount of facts that he was able to pull out, we were on a video call and he was not looking up anything. He was not on his phone. He was not on a computer, like Googling anything. He just knew all of the stuff off the top of his head. So he is, he's a true James Bond expert. So if you're at all a 007 fan, uh, take a look and try to find that podcast. Yeah. I'm kind of regretting not like, since you sent the link in a shared chat, just hopping on so I could listen as you were recording. But well, luckily it's recorded know. audio. So. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited uh, to listen. So and and thank you all for listening. Uh, of course, you can find the the Movie Ladder podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can subscribe on there if you want to leave a rating. That's great. Um, mm-hmm. And if you want to connect with us. You can find us at Ladder Movie on Letterboxd and Twitter. You also can email us, themovieladder at gmail.com to send in your comments, your questions, and of course your Movie Ladder connections from next week's movie, Hot Fuzz. I think that is going to open up a whole big can of worms of different types of movies that we can go to Absolutely. Uh, the following week. So I'm really I'm excited. For that one. Yeah. So I might uh, watch Hot Fuzz this afternoon. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun one. So we'll be back next week talking about Hot Fuzz. Thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next week. My, my, here come the fuss.